Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Model Tongue Podcast. I am your host, Karen Inder. Today is all about Indigenous mental health resources. I welcome my Indigenous and queer friend, Dani, who shares her top resources that have helped her navigate her mental health through this pandemic and beyond. From tips on how to advocate for yourself to finding a fatphobic-free medical support team, Danny is an open and extremely honest book. Why is the balance of asking for more help and less help so important? What are the true steps to getting and feeling better? Listen to find out. If you are Indigenous and live outside of Ontario or the GTA, please message myself or Danny and we'll be sure to put you in touch with resources in your area. Just a note on this episode that it contains discussions surrounding mental illness, weight and size, and there is mention of specific medications. I would also like to note that neither myself or Danny are medical professionals. All views expressed in this episode are our own and based off of our own experiences, opinions, and meant as food for thought. Please consult your medical support team regarding your physical and mental health. Thank you so much and welcome Danny. Hi, Danny. Hi, how are you? I'm so excited to see you. Thank you so much for jumping on here with me and uh, taking some t- carving in some time of your day to, to chat about some very important uh, information and hopefully get some resources into the hands of people who need it. Uh, so w- why don't you start and tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. So I am Danny. My cert name is Menji.gimmiwetch. It means rain gathering woman. Uh, I am a uh, Mi'kmaq from the East Coast of Canada. Uh, and I am also a fat queer person. So I'm Indigenous uh, as well. And uh, yeah, I, I struggle with mental health issues. I struggle with a personality disorder and just general anxiety. Um, and yeah, I've just been struggling with this whole COVID thing. So I'm hoping to share some resources I've found, talk a little bit about what sort of is missing, uh, where the cracks need to be filled and give you guys some info. I see you, we're in a lot of the same Facebook groups together. And I thank you so much for being so open and honest um, in, in all of them and just, you know, raising awareness, sharing just tips, um, whether it's hotlines to use or what you've learned and resources for people especially in, in the indigenous community so thank you so much for doing that and being such a powerful voice um, because i've learned so much through you and i know that others have as well yeah. so why don't you um how, so this one thing i've noticed i saw that really kind of sparked the conversation i wanted to have with you was in a group about the number of resources for mental health, mental illness that have kind of been strained or cut back because of the current situation with COVID-19. I was wondering if you could speak on that a little bit. Absolutely. So I myself was in a group, um, well, like a group program. So Anishinaabe Health Toronto has multiple facets. And one of the facets is called AMHA. And it's specifically a mental health and addictions uh, comorbidity program. Uh, incredible, incredible program uh, with incredible people. The Che Waitams, that's counselor in my language. Um, the Che Waitams are incredible. They are really there to support all of us. And then also the group members, we were really a close-knit group. But when COVID happened, I just got a phone call from my Che Waitam and he just said, look, like we've got to shut it down. 
we're being advised that group group meetings aren't a positive thing. So we were all just kind of shocked by that. And a lot of the elders in the program can't access sort of like video conferencing like we are right now. So it was really going to be a, a challenging thing for people because this isn't just sort of a mental health program, which is already like so important. It was also an addictions program. So folks are, there's a risk of relapse for folks not being able to access care. And so uh, what ended up happening was we were all told, like, sorry, the program is, is being cut off. You know, you can meet with your chairwoman, you can meet with your counselor over the phone uh, once a week. So we were given some resources, but we kind of asked as a group, like, but what about like online meetings? And that hasn't been rolled out yet. I think they're just, they were really took, taken aback by how fast this thing sort of played out. Um, and also they just don't, like they're, they don't have their feet on the ground yet. Like they're, they've tried to create these sort of newsletters that are passed out to us, uh, once a week that kind of includes some self-care tips, some meditation tips, like those kinds of things. And while those are useful and positive, we really need those in-person groups that like social aspect is what keeps a lot of us sane. Um, it's so true. And so for anyone out there who is struggling with the same thing and who is really resonating with what you're saying, what has there been anything that you've been doing that's been helping you? Do you have any tips for people who just feel like they're in the same boat and don't know, don't know how to feel better? Absolutely. So one of the biggest things that I will say is like, as much as you have the capacity, like self-advocacy, like going to literally, like, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about a couple of different places where you can sort of go to do that self-advocacy piece, but just really being like, I need help. I am not okay. These are the things I need. These are the things that are absolutely necessary for me. And while that it can be so challenging and it's so much labor, I have found that just the act of putting myself out there and saying, hey, like, I really need these resources to, like, I need, I need better than this, right? Like, if your counselor is saying, hey, like, you know, you went from meeting twice a week to I can only meet once a week. Okay, well, do you have any other resources for me to meet with another counselor? Like, just trying to fill in as much as possible. Obviously, we all have to make compromises and that's really challenging when you already feel like with your mental illness, you're making compromises anyways. But one of the biggest things that's helped me is just being really transparent about what I need with people. And like, I started to feel myself going back into crisis and like, Karen, you can like kind of speak to this. I, I think I messaged you and I was like, oh my God, like my meds aren't working. Like I'm freaking out. And you were like, I feel the same way. Like <laughs> we were, we're both like spinning around. In this I know. Way. And you're, you're messaging me for like, you know, someone to talk you down or help. And I'm like, I'm going through the same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about what I did to get out of that spiral. But one of the biggest things that helped me was just putting my big yellow flag up and being like, y'all, I'm in crisis. Like this is serious ground level shit. I need help. And so, um, one thing that really helps me, one thing I want to touch on. So for anybody under the age of 30, I don't know if you know this, but kids health phone actually is one of the best services and like no shade to services that offer like, you know, peer to peer sort of volunteer based counseling. That's very helpful. But when you have mental illness, that's maybe as we won't say severe, but as intense as like, let's say Karen or I do, you really have to have that like grounded support from a professional. And so kids help phone, uh, at least on the phone, I think their texting lines a little different, but on the phone, they go up to 30 years old and they are a hundred percent counselors, trained in-person counselors. Um, some are better than others. Most are incredible. I have 
been talking to them since I was probably about 13. I speak to the similar people because there's uh, like, there's only so many counselors and I was calling so often at one point I was getting the same counselor. And if you notice that you've talked to that counselor before and you bring it up, they'll actually be like, Oh yeah, I remember that conversation. And then you can kind of go back and talk through it. Cause I know that one of the big barriers for people with kids help phone is just that you have to sort of give your story every time. But I'm here to tell you, like, they're ready to meet you exactly where you're at. If you say, Hey, I'm having a bad day and you don't want to get into the backstory, they can just talk to you about what's going on in the current moment with you as well. Or if you want to spend two hours talking about your whole life story, they're there for that too. And like, just the amount of compassion, the amount of care, the amount of like reassurance that they're always going to be there for you. Like, Hey, I'm in crisis. I'm okay for an hour. And then I'm in crisis again, an hour later, call them back. They're still there. They're still waiting for you. Uh, there's no amount of time that's too much for sort of using that service. If you feel like you're really like sort of one of the big things that I feel a lot is like, I'm a burden to people in my life, right? Like, I don't know if you've ever experienced that Karen, where you just feel like, like, so, oh my gosh, I'm taking up so much of people's times. These folks are literally there for that purpose. So you can rest assured that you can spill your guts to them all you want and they're there for you. And they're very, very empathetic. And they're not going to see your number on the phone and be like, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. Um, So that's really positive. I think too, um, just like one of my biggest experiences with them and one of my most recent experiences with them that was so like cathartic and wonderful was they were like, So listen, I know you're not okay right now. We've talked before. You have a tough life to begin with, right? So you definitely are like susceptible. You're more vulnerable during this. But just know that the whole world is experiencing a collective trauma right now. And that you have the skills in your in your bag, in your basket to deal with this collective trauma and that you're actually ahead of the game a little bit. Because some folks who've never dealt with this level of like mental distress are really not understanding what to do right now. And us with mental illness are over here like, we've been there. Like we've done another day. (laughs) Another day for us. So um, that's one of the big resources. And then a second resource that like I really can't advocate for enough. um, I think one of the biggest barriers for folks is just like where to start. There are so many resources out there in Toronto, especially for Indigenous folks, but sometimes it can just feel really overwhelming and you don't know what you actually need to access. So there's a line called Call the Aunties. It's an Indigenous COVID Pathways hotline. I would describe this myself as a bit of a bridging program in that they're connected to all kinds of different resources. You call them and you can say, hey, I'm going through this. What should I do? And they can point you in a direction. Um, I have not encountered a problem that they can't help fix. Like, I mean, they're really fantastic from like mental health issues to like physical, like I'm worried I have COVID-19. What do I do next kind of stuff? They're really, really good. So um, the hotline, I'm just going to say it out loud here is uh So it's called the Call the Aunties, which I think is so sweet, Indigenous COVID Pathways Hotline. Their info is 437-703-8703. I just want to stress that it's seven days a week from 4 to 9 p.m. in the GTA only. So for folks that need to reach out, let's say you're not in the GTA area, uh, in the greater Toronto area, if you're elsewhere, like please reach out to Karen and Karen can forward it to me and I can find like specific indigenous resources for your 
area. Um, but this is specifically for Toronto. Um, you can find them on Facebook. Uh, and if they, if you message them your phone number, they'll call you back as well. So if that's more accessible for you. Um, so these are some of the reasons that you could be calling. So, uh, so just to be clear, I'll start with who they are. So they're a community info line run by the Baby Bundle Project and Seven Generations Midwives of Toronto. So it's a group of midwives that run this sort of hotline. Um, they connect Toronto's Indigenous people with culturally safe health information, referrals, Indigenous midwives, and doctors. The COVID-19 support is supported screening and self-assessment, navigation and direction of support through testing and follow-up, uh, answer all your questions about how to keep safe, info about COVID financial benefits, reasons to call, so prescriptions for birth control, STI treatment, pregnancy options and questions, postpartum, chest, uh, chest slash breastfeeding, newborn questions, referrals to food, traditional medicines, problem solving and brainstorming, uh, difficult family communication situations, uh, work support, mental health support. So these are the kinds of things that um, they just kind of support folks with it is both physical and mental health which i think is so important to find that nice balance it's all connected it's all connected right we we believe like in the seven grandfather teachings we believe that our body and our our spirit is connected to our physical body and that we need to take care of both things and i know that karen i had called karen like very early on in my mental health journey and just or not called but um facebooked and said like what what has worked for you over the years and karen was saying like honestly like healthy eating, like exercising, just like these are the things that are really, really important to me. So I think that while I don't shame folks on like food basis, like you can of eat course, whatever yeah. you want. I think that right now, especially it's incredibly important to get some of those vitamins and those nutrients. In, and they even have like folks that like they're, they're nurses and midwives, right? So they can even kind of talk to you about that stuff too. But I, I think it's just an incredible resource. It is. They cover so much. Yeah. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. And uh, we'll, of course, put all the numbers and all the info and all the details in the description box. So anyone listening or watching, it's right there for you. Mm -hmm. um, so that's amazing. Um, what else was there? I'm trying to think. So there was the, there was definitely the kids help phone. There was the uh, indigenous hotline. And then I wanted to talk a little bit about Anishinaabe health in general for folks when the COVID thing is sort of over. Um, so I don't know that they're taking on new clients right now, but Anishinaabe Health Toronto is an incredible organization. They're a multifaceted organization. There's three different locations, each represent a different thing. So again, we talk back to that like sort of mind, body, spirit connection. So Anishinaabe Health has three different jurisdictions. They have like more of the, the addictions and then severe mental health cases. They have like uh, a center where you can see a counselor, family counselor, couples counselor, um, a traditional medicine and healer. Um, and like, that's like so, so important. They can give medicines out. They like are very good at connecting people with creator, that, that spiritual piece. And then they also have their third location, which is on Queen Street. And these are all sort of centrally located, I should specify. Like, they're all within the, the downtown core of Toronto. And then their Queen Street location is really incredible. It is, uh, it's like a family doctor. So you get like a nurse practitioner that you're connected with. And then you can sort of be connected to that person. Um, like I said, I think everything's kind of shut down right now because of COVID. But if, like, let's be real. When this thing lifts, folks are going to be struggling. And I think that getting involved 
involved, like if you're indigenous with Anishinaabe health, I should also specify too that Anishinaabe health actually extends to um, those spouses of indigenous folks as well. So if your partner, let's say, is indigenous, you can access uh, Anishinaabe health as well. Um, that resource is there for you. Um, one thing you spoke about earlier was about being your own advocate, how important that is. This is something that I stress all the time in all my speaking engagements because I, it's, it is so, you don't realize how important it is. And it doesn't even go for mental health. It goes for health, physical health as well. Um, but tell me about your, your journey with that or your experience with that. And was there ever a time when it took you a little bit to kind of really click that, that this is important? Yes. So, um, I'll give you some back history. So in September, I had a nervous breakdown. We think it was a combination of a lot of different things, but essentially I had done several things that were really intensive that summer. I'd gone through like my in-laws being very racist and sort of threatening me with the police. I had gone through um, having some uh, like there was, there was that situation. Then there was also like, I went away to Portugal and I didn't really plan the trip very well. And I ended up like, I'm physically disabled. So I ended up having a challenging time getting around Portugal. And that was really like upsetting as well. And so by September I was just burnt out and I had had this nervous breakdown and I knew that things were coming, but when the panic attacks started, I was so incapacitated. Like I couldn't advocate for myself at that time. And so what I did was over the period of, I would say a week, every day I would write a little bit more of what I wanted. I started keeping like a journal of like my mental health and then just kind of writing a letter to my psychiatrist because I had an appointment in two weeks with the CAMH psychiatrist of like what I really wanted. Um, and I would read that letter every day to kids help phone every day. Once a day I would call and I would read it and we would talk it over and they would say, do you think there's anything you want to add? And I'd be like, yeah, I think I'm going to add this stuff. You know, I think this is a really important piece and this is a really important piece. And so by the end, I had this really well-formed document essentially of like, Hey, this is what my day to day looks like. These are the things I believe would be helpful for me. Um, lucky for me, I had an incredible team who like, recognized my self-advocacy skills and were like, yeah, it sounds like this would be really good for you. So I had essentially like thought about what I wanted um, and known that like, I didn't want to go through medication trial after trial after trial. I wanted to give myself the best chance possible. So I called my closest family members, my grandmother and my mom, and I asked them what they were on for their mental illness. Um, my mother is bipolar, has rather has bipolar disorder. And so, um, she talked to me a little bit about the Seroquel that she was on and how helpful that was for her. And then my grandmother talks to me about the, um, the Celexa, the, the, um, citalopram that she was on and how helpful that was for her. And so actually the thing that ended up being the perfect combo for me was one for my grandmother and one for my mom mixed together. And it was like the perfect combo. And it was like a one trial kind of situation. Um, I went to my doctor, explained this. Uh, he was like, okay, like, it seems like you know what you want. So my psych was like, yep, yeah, let's do it. Then I was like, okay, now I need that other piece, that like therapy piece. So I went to Anishinaabe Health, who I was already connected with. And I said, look, I understand that I'm seeing a therapist once a week. I need something more intensive right now as I'm in major, major crisis mode. Uh, these are the things that like, this is what my day to day looks like. And this is why I think that this, uh, this program would be like 
relevant and good for me at the time. I was actually considering doing like, if I had had the money, like a full on inpatient kind of program. Uh, Karen had mentioned a place online that she had gone to and I thought about going there. But the issue with that was that I wouldn't be connected to my spouse. I would have to live separately from her for a short period of time. And that was overwhelming. So we went with the day program instead. And it wasn't easy. It took weeks of advocacy. That program is really specifically for mental health and addictions. But because I had been sober for a year by the point that I wanted to enter the program, they actually said to me like, look, we really don't feel like you're a good choice. And I had to go back in and say, look, this is why I know that I'm a good choice. This is why this program is perfect for me because you're doing that traditional medicine piece because I'm at risk for a relapse if I am not receiving the mental health care that's necessary because these are full days where I, my spouse can work and she can actually live like one of the biggest triggers to my mental illness was that my spouse had gotten a job at Shopify and I could no longer just sit at the house in panic because she needed to be able to have that space to work out of. So when I did all of that advocacy stuff, it was really, it was intensive, but it was really positive for me. And like now I guess I'm kind of an expert on being like, guys, I need more help. Like, or like also being like, I think there's two pieces to advocacy. There's like, hey, I need more help right now. Hey, I think we can actually lessen the help that, like, I think I can actually kind of come back away from the intensity of the therapy because I'm starting to feel better. And it's like finding that balance and like having a team that really supports you and listens to you as well. You're like blowing my mind right now because that all of that, the whole chunk was so important. So important that I want to just like go through it again and bullet point it. So for anyone listening who's struggling um, with, with, we'll say, the umbrella of mental health, mental illness, addiction, you, you identified a problem mm-hmm. within yourself and you accepted it. It sounds mm-hmm. like it's like you weren't feeling your best. You didn't have a high quality of life. And you were like, I, I deserve better. And I want a higher quality of life than this. I don't feel like I'm high functioning. Mm-hmm. Then, which, which I know that sounds, sounds like, not very much, but it is very much. A lot of people can't do that. And I think that's why it holds a lot of people back, whether it's stigma or discrimination, it holds them back from therapy and seeking help. So you do, you did that. And then you, you spoke to your family and that was actually very smart to like, see what worked for them mm-hmm. just because, you know, family. <laughs> right. Like it was a P it was like right down to genetics. Like, yeah, I, I'm going to be transparent. I didn't even graduate from high school. I have like a grade 10 level education, but when it comes to this stuff, when it comes to that, like, like I wanted to be a nurse. So like when it comes to that, like physical mental health, like chemicals in your body kind of stuff, I know a bit. And I was like, I want to skip over this chunk where we do a lot of different trial and error. Cause I know you've even talked about your journey with meds and health. It was brutal been to find, you know, meds that were, and I remember calling you and being like, these meds have to work. And you being like, okay, you need to manage your expectations about this, right? Uh, which is good. Like, I was happy that you kind of did that with me, but lucky for me, like as of right now, and this is not necessarily forever, but right now these meds are working for me, but like even the advocacy piece, like one thing I wanted to say in, in particular, uh, is like, So any of my like larger folks out there, doctors are going to take that into consideration when they're prescribing meds for you because they don't want you to gain weight. If you feel like a medication is working for you, but you're gaining weight, there are other ways to deal with the weight gain and the metabolic issues that don't involve like changing your routine, like changing your like 
like your like actual, cause we don't want fat phobia to keep you from being mentally sane, right? Like that's, that is my number one thing. There's, there are so many things like you can ask, okay, cool. Like let's get a dietitian involved. Let's like get a workout trainer involved. Like what kind of stuff can we do to kind of offset these, these concerns? And also if they're not a concern for you, they're not a concern for you, right? Like one of the big things my doctor has said is like, I really want to take you off the Seroquel cause I'm worried about the weight gain, like the potential for weight gain. And I've said, look, like Seroquel helps me sleep every night. It is a very good drug for me to be on. I'm not coming off of it. I'm sorry. Right. If you you will not prescribe it. I will move on and find another doctor who's not fat phobic who will. Okay. I'm going to make a note. We're going to come back to that. <laughs> so, so, okay. Then you, you found support and you fought for support and you fought for your right for support and that you deserve support, whether it was like medical or just relationship, family, you ask yourself, what do I need? What do I need to live the life that I want, that I know I deserve to feel happy, to feel X, Y, Z, whatever your life looks like you. And then you went after it. You went to go, you went to go seek day treatment, correct? And then at first you were turned away because you didn't quite fit the requirement, but you knew that this program would help you and you, and you fought for it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's crazy. No, it's crazy. Yeah, I was very, very lucky to have gotten into the program. Still to this day, I feel so incredibly blessed. Like, as soon as this COVID ban is lifted, I have something really solid to look forward to. Like, all of my, like, all of my homies, like, all my folks that, like, I'm super close to. I've made really amazing friends. I know that one of the biggest challenges that I'm experiencing is watching my friends relapse watching folks in these programs who no longer have access to these programs, just hardcore relapsing. I mean, I myself had my first drink in forever uh, last week because I just had a moment of like, I can't do this anymore. I can't not have alcohol during this sort of epidemic. Everyone's drinking right now. And it took like calling, like, so basically my group, we're resilient. And so we've started doing what you and I are doing right now, which is getting online with people, with ourselves and like trying to like really connect in best ways we can. Every, every time we do, I sort of, one of us will look up a topic so that we can talk together about it. And we're essentially recreating these group therapies because they're not formally being offered to us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, again, just can't stress the importance of advocating for yourself, especially when it comes to mental health. And I mean, I've had, I do, I'm, I'm so guilty of this. My partner, he is so often embarrassed because we'll be in hospitals and I'll just like demand, <laughs> like, you know, someone's giving me blood tech, like blood work and I get blood work done every month. So I'm, I'm familiar with it and he can't get the vein and he's just poking around my arm. So I, I told him, I'm like, this isn't working. Find another nurse. Go, go get someone else. <laughs> yes, exactly. And, and when he left the room, when the nurse left the room, my husband was like, I can't believe you just did that. I'm like, am I supposed to just, am, am I supposed to just sit here and let someone poke my arm a hundred times? Yes, no, exactly. you have, and I have friends who, um, cause I'm also searching for a new psychiatrist right now because I, I like kind of have one, but I know in my heart and my core, it's not a good fit for me. Mm. And my friend made a comment like, oh, so you just like won't stop until you get what you want. And I was kind of, and I was kind of like, is that a bad thing? Yeah, absolutely. Like, <laughs> so like, thank you for recognizing that quality in me, actually. Yeah, <laughs> but when it when it comes to your mental health, like if 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 you're being turned away from a program that you know will help you, you better fight for it, just like you did 
And that is so inspiring. And thank you so much for sharing that story. So many people will be in, in similar situations and just whether it's, it takes guts or bravery or courage, like, I don't know, but um, oftentimes when you have mental illness, you are like the most vulnerable. And that's why um, we're a target a lot of the times for, uh, you know, psychological abuse, right? Um, you know, not saying just in general. Um, so it's important that you are able to identify things and it comes with just being aware and being educated on on what terminology is, what gaslighting means, um, what your rights are, that this is a human rights issue, what discrimination looks like, that discrimination is illegal. <laughs> All these little things will empower you. Yeah. So anyone listening, absolutely, it is in your right to question doctors, do what's best for you. You mentioned that mm -hmm. um, about, oh, uh, you know, we'll, we'll taper up your meds. Oh, no, no, you said, I know to ask if I need more help or if I need less help. Yeah. Exactly. And that is so important because you know, another thing, your needs change mm -hmm. all the time. Absolutely. When I was, I was also on Seroquel at one point, I was taking the medication when I was initially put on it years and years ago in a crisis, mm -hmm. they put me on like a super high dose because I was in a crisis. Mm -hmm. Two years later, I'm not in a crisis anymore, but mm -hmm. I'm on the same dose of medication. Is that working for me? No. Yeah, so exactly. it's, and then I went to, I would, I would go to my psychiatrist and I would say, you know, I, I don't feel good anymore. I no longer have a quality of life because this mm -hmm. medication isn't working for me anymore at the current dose. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I have come a long way. I've grown a lot. I've evolved and he refused to decrease it. Wow. He was like, no, he's, and he, he actually suggested to put me on more. And not that I am like a, you know, I, my medications change all the time and I'm open to the idea. However, you know, I you also, body, right? you, you know, know, your body. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's also important. It's important to build your medical support team in a way that they'll have your back and they understand you as a person, because there's a difference between treating someone as a yeah. person and yeah. treating someone by a textbook. Absolutely. And I wanted to touch on one last thing, a resource I completely forgot. So I have an incredible relationship with my pharmacists. I have two of them. They are absolutely- I love my pharmacists. <laughs> so like people don't realize how much of a resource pharmacists are, but if you have questions about your medication, like please reach out to your pharmacists. Their job, all they did in school was learn about these meds. They're going to be the experts, even better than doctors. They are going to know your meds like nobody else. So if you have questions, reach out to them. I had my pharmacists at one point were calling me to do wellness checks when I was in crisis to make sure I was still good. Hey, how are you doing? Because the first two weeks of a new medication can cause side effects. And one mm -hmm. of the major side effects for SSRIs is an increased risk of suicidality. And they knew that and they knew I was already heavily suicidal when they put me on the drugs initially. So they checked in with me. I had like, again, every two days they would call and check, see how things were doing. And they were like, rooting for me like you know what I mean like when the meds finally started to work and they were stable they felt really good because that's one aspect that they can help with right it's just like I think everybody needs both pieces they need that med piece and they need that therapy piece to really be kind of the perfect uh like not everybody but a lot of people yeah. need that kind of perfect match um but they were really good on that side and anytime I was anxious or worried they just like you know they reassured me that things would get better and thank god because I would have stopped taking the meds otherwise and I wouldn't be here talking to you today um 
what, what advice would you give to anyone listening that is going, that is struggling with mental health, but is too afraid to take these medications because of weight gain? Honestly, being fat is better than being dead, right? Being fat and being able to live your life and have a quality of life is better than having no quality of life. You can always, 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 always deal with weight gain one way or another, whatever that looks like for you, but you cannot lose weight and then magically become better mental health wise, right? Like if you stop taking those drugs, yes, the weight may stop coming on, but your whole life will pause, right? And then it becomes a a slippery slope, right? Where does like, okay, I'm on drugs, I've gained weight. I'm going to stop the drugs and I'm going to be on a diet now to lose the weight that I'm on. That's a slippery slope to eating disorders, right? That's a slippery slope to not being okay in your own body. I totally get being anxious about weight gain because weight is related to mobility. And if you get to a certain weight, your mobility can actually be affected by that. And that's a scary, legitimate, non sort of cosmetic thing. That's a real thing that people experience. But I promise you, I'm a very large person. I would much rather be fat than be as sick as I was before. Give it a chance, right? Medication doesn't always have to be forever either. Guess what? Sometimes you need meds in the short term. And wouldn't you rather have those meds in the short term and gain the weight than like just spiral out of control? I always say you can fix your mind and you can fix your weight, but let's fix the mind first. Exactly. And and any doctor will tell you that like, Again, it comes down to that self-advocacy piece. If you've, you're afraid of weight gain, set up a dietitian before you've even started the meds. Talk to a dietitian and say, hey, this is the meds that I'm going to be on. This is the metabolic side effects of these meds. What, can, what kind of meal plan would look good for me going into it so that you're, you're preemptively preparing for this kind of a thing and you have that peace of mind piece. Just going to insert a little thing here that um, just to remind our listeners that we, neither one of us are medical professionals. We are just speaking from our experiences. Um, and I always say my misfortune and, <laughs> and uh, just, you know, like just ad- advice or tips from what we have seen in groups and everything. And just, just our heartfelt mm-hmm. kind of, uh, um, encouragement in bottom line, just that mental health is really important. And we hope that uh, you really take some time to focus on that aspect of yourself. uh, And, and, you know, we can work on the rest together and with your doctors, um, you know, after one thing at a time, one thing at a time. Um, You were also, yes, fat phobia, fat phobia in the medical world when. So doctors will always, especially if you're coming to them always big, are all, always big, already big, sorry, already fat. Let's just use the word. If you come to them and you're over a certain size, let's let's put the size 20. Let's just mark it right there. Like if you're a big fat, if you're over a size 20, this is what's going to happen. Folks are going to look at you and they're going to prescribe medication based on that. I'll give you an example of this. I have a friend who is the larger person with really bad anxiety. She was prescribed Wellbutrin immediately because Wellbutrin causes like a lack of appetite essentially, right? 
So the Wellbutrin was actually used primarily, like the doctor was more concerned about her losing weight than about what would be best for her in terms of mental illness. Wellbutrin has a side effect of being very uh, activating. So people with severe anxiety and depression, like the combo, the core morbidity, Wellbutrin can be a real challenge for folks with that kind of comorbidity, that intense anxiety. And this is only from her experience and from what I've heard from other people. So again, the doctor didn't really think it through. He just kind of shot something that he knew would help her lose weight at her. And she couldn't understand why her panic attacks were so severe during the period of two months where she was on this med. She came off of it and went on instead, just another, like an SSRI. I think that Wellbutrin is not an SSRI. So she tried an SSRI instead and found that yes, while she did gain weight and it was, we're talking like 20 pounds. It's nothing crazy, right? She gained some weight but guess what she was in a way better place with her mental health and then she went back to her doctor and said I don't understand why you didn't prescribe me an SSRI to begin with and he said well the last thing you need is to gain more weight that was his number one priority do you see what I'm saying like it's just so like we have to look at like people as a whole I I, I really really encourage you to be transparent with your doctor when you walk in there and say weight is not something that's on my mind right now or, hey, weight is something that's on my mind right now. So that you can kind of, again, access those other resources, kind of plan ahead. So if you're somebody that's like, I just want to get better right now, I'm not worried about it, tell your doctor that. If you're somebody who's like, hey, I'm actually really worried about this, I want to access these pills, but I'm worried about weight gain, tell your doctor that and then ask your doctor for resources so that you can remain on the medication or start the medication while still kind of taking care of that other little voice in your head that's saying, hey, I'm worried about weight gain, right? I see so many posts online in mental health groups and in curvy groups asking for fat-friendly doctors. And every time I see it, that just breaks my heart because everyone should be entitled to the same type of healthcare, um, same experience with medical professionals. And unfortunately, that's just not true um, for for many reasons, like Mm -hmm. race and sexual orientation and identification and disability and ability like size um so yeah it's just it's it's definitely something that i is important to raise awareness about and speak on so that if if anyone here listening is bigger bodied and has experienced something with a doctor they know that they're not alone and they know that it's a thing and that we all kind of stand in solidarity and that you deserve to to get treated for what you're there to get treated for. hundred <laughs> percent. Um, Danny, thank you so much. Thank you so much. This was as always <laughs> super informative. You are a rock star. And I just, I love just everything you say and what you bring to the table. Um, I will put all kinds of ways to, to uh, contact you and all the contacts to phone numbers in the description box, but just quickly, um, I want to tell our audience something about you that <laughs> maybe they know, maybe they don't, but you are a tarot reader. Yeah, I am. I have my cards with me right here, actually. I and, not, and not just a tarot reader, but um, you, you come from a long line of family members who have, who have been readers and you are very good at it. Thank you. And I know because you're my tarot reader. <laughs> um, so if you are looking to uh, support someone during this crazy time, I'm going to link Danny's information in the description box. Uh, if you, maybe you are looking for a new tarot reader, or maybe you have never done it and you want to try it. Um, 
definitely, definitely reach out to Danny and she will hook you up. We have it in sale right now. It's like pay what you can with a minimum of $15. So if you're somebody who can afford to pay me more, awesome. You're subsidizing people who can maybe not afford to pay me as much. So, and you are supporting someone, uh, who is just incredible. So I will be sure to, to post all that down. Okay. okay. All right. Thank um, thank you so much. And I'm sure we'll be talking again very soon. Absolutely. Bye, Karen. Bye.